Mystery Album, Part 1. A mystery album has fallen into my possession, presenting a number of fascinating puzzles and thus far unanswered questions. Featuring a family, most certainly of wealth and importance, no captions are written beneath or on the reverse of the conscientiously presented sepia images. What I can say with certainty is that over the next few weeks the combined observational powers of the Buffonati will provide answers. But first, let's have some fun with the train photos to be found at the midway point between the near 100-year-old Photex expandables covers. The first photograph shows an old engine pulling railway wagons, emblazoned with the letters S and D R, full of brave passengers open to the elements in late Georgian dress. Note the giant and rather crude break between the wheels of the first wagon behind the engine. Even the most rudimentary knowledge of railway suggests this to be the Stockton and Darlington Railway, the world's first steam-powered public railway line, which opened in, 19, in 1825. At that opening, people in were dressed in their finest and carried in open S&DR coal hoppers along the line. 40,000 lined the route to witness the spectacle. Excellent. Case closed. However, although train buffs are well known for the early adoption of technology to enhance their hobby, you could drive a train on your ZX81, all of this was happening just before the French claimer chap called Joseph Nicefiore Nicepiece invented the camera. The eagle-eyed will also have spotted that the proceedings don't include the obligatory 1825 man on a leading horse waving a red flag. Two minutes on Google revealed that in 1925 a centenary procession was held, self-evidently captured by a mystery photographer to a thus far unknown respectable family's album. We are off to a good start, a good start that was not to last. As the pages turned, the mystery deepened, but for the time being, let's just enjoy the trains. Our friends at Between the Wars Masterpiece Railway Wonders of the World, who have been helpful elsewhere on GP as we traverse the railways of the Levant and Asia Minor or the Berlin to Baghdad Railway, were on hand to immortalise the cavalcade in their contemporary article, Railway Centenary Celebrations, Contrast of Old and New. Although the Stockton and Darlington line opened on the 27th of September 1825, the centenary was celebrated in July 1925 to allow delegates from an international railway congress being held in London to travel north. They were joined by the editor of Railway Wonders who, on arrival at Darlington, noted the following. When I arrived in Darlington, I found the town en fête. The streets were gaily decorated with flags and bunting, the shops were closed and everyone seemed to be having a holiday in honour of the event. There were special bands and entertainments in the public parks and everything possible was being done to make the anniversary an event to be remembered more especially, perhaps, by the boys and girls. Everywhere one saw evidence of the spirit of the week. In the park, for instance, was a huge flower bed designed in the form of a locomotive with a suitable floral inscription, Centenary, 1825 to 1925. Almost every shop window was suitably set out. There were locomotives in cardboard, in soap, in chocolate, and even in fruit. Old prints dealing with early railways and dozens of books, old and new, on locomotives and railways. Even the hatters and tailors entered into the spirit of the thing and displayed in their windows hats and suits of the period as worn by the passengers of the trains a century ago. Then I'm now the rivet counters walk among us. I have doubled myself, times I have counted myself an over-enthusiastic member of their tribe. As I provide thumbnail descriptions to accompany the engine photographs, I apologise in advance for all the mistakes. Despite the order in the album, the centenary procession was led by the Hetton Colliery locomotive, 
built in 1822 at the Hetton Colliery Workshops by George Stevenson. She was subsequently rebuilt in 1857 and 1882 before being withdrawn in 1912 after 90 years in service. The gentleman in the top hat is the driver, that being a posh but outdoor job in those days. The locomotive proceeded at a stately six miles per hour, a reminder that originally the 12 miles between Stockton and Darlington took two hours to traverse. Next came the Derwent, an 060 mineral engine built in 1845 by William and Alf Kitching at Hopetown Foundry, Darlington. It worked on the S&DR until being sold to PC's West Collieries at Crook. The chap in the top hat, white trousers, frock coat and tails, is driver George Danby, again wearing the locomotive engineer's uniform of the times. Although Railway Wonders describes the engine as typical, it is noticeable that the firebox is at the front, and the tender, therefore, precedes the rest of the train. The fireman and driver are separated by the length of the boiler. Typical for this day. Might have been a better way of putting it. The next part of the cavalcade featured a replica of North Star. The original six-foot gauge 222 was built by Robert Stevenson and Company in 1837 and was intended for a foreign railway. It was converted to seven-foot and a quarter-inch gauge for use on Brunel's Great Western and remained in traffic until 1870. It is being hauled on a crocodile flat by an NER E1 tank engine. After the First World War, the railway industry was reorganised into a smaller number of bigger companies via the Railway Grouping Act in 1921. The railways being grouped in 1923. With this exhibition taking place in 1925, numbers, classes, railway companies and liveries are a bit fluid. What the editor of Railway Wonders calls an NERE1, the rest of us would probably call an LERJ72. Despite what you can see with your own eyes, it says LNER on the side, and I would guess at the number being 8114. I'm probably wrong. At this point, the order in the album parts company with the order in Railway Wonders. For ease, I will persist with album order, but not before introducing some VIPs. The guests of honour at the centenary celebrations were the Duke and Duchess of York, who, unbeknown at the time, were to become King George VI and the Queen Mother. They were shown around the Faverdale Railway Workshops at Darlington by Sir Nigel Gresley, the legendary chief mechanical engineer of the LNER, before being taken by car to a grandstand beside the line. Back in the procession, albeit in photo album order, we see the Great Northern Railway's locomotive number one, a Stirling Single Class 422. Notable and named because of its single pair of 8 foot 1 inch driving wheels and because it was designed by Patrick Stirling. Built at Doncaster in 1870, number one is still with us and is part of the National Railway Museum exhibition in York. Railway Runders describes 910 thus. Next we saw LNER number 910, 240, built in 1875 at Gateshead, an express passenger loco of a type used for working the principal trains between Newcastle and Edinburgh, and also between Edinburgh and York. This loco took part in the Newark Brake Trials of 1875, and was also included in the Jubilee celebrations of the Stockton and Darlington Railway in the same year. 910 left service in 1926 and is preserved at Shildon in NER Green. Why have so many of these engines survived? Because they were in the cavalcade because of their historical importance. Number 910 went from service to the LNER's museum, which opened in York in 1928. As early as 1860, the patent office had been bugsing old engines for its collection, which was become the basis of the Science Museum. 1275 is a class 1001 long boiler 060, designed by William Booch for the North East Railway and built in Glasgow by Dubson Company in 1874. 
192 examples were constructed, the last of which left service in 1923 just before the parade. 1275 has also survived and is preserved at the National Railway Museum in York, resplendent in North East Railways green with buffer red beam. And this had me baffled, a firm believer in say what you see. I was going to caption it as a self-propelled 11-plank brake van before Railway Wonders came to the rescue to inform me that it's 7133 and 040 Eastern, Great Eastern shunting engine built in 1897. The type was first introduced in 1883 and is used chiefly for shunting and working trains on public highways, docks and quaysides. Equipped with a number, further investigation showed it to be a Thomas William Wurzel design built at Stratford Works, which is now underneath the Westfield Shopping Centre. Seen above in its LNER livery, some examples survived into British Rail ownership in 1948, the last one being withdrawn in 1952. I am one of those people who detests Tomac the Tank engine with a venom that is difficult to quantify. A friend tells me 7133 is the prototype for Toby the tram engine. Meh. This is Cornwall, number 3020 of the London and North Western Railway, designed by Francis Tufidic. It was built at Crewe in 1847, originally as a 422, not withdrawn until the year of the exhibition, 1925. It was in service for 78 years, albeit having been rebuilt as a 222 in 1858. It is famous for having, at 8 foot 6 inches, the largest diameter driving wheels of any single. Number 3020 is also preserved, also at Shildon, where she is displayed in magnificent LNWR black with red piping and gleaming topper cop, or even copper top. Francis Trevithick was the son of Richard Trevithick, the pioneering engineer who realised that stationary steam engines used for pumping water out of the copper and tin mines in his native Cornwall could be made to self-propel and haul. In 1804, the world's first locomotive hauled railway journey took place along a tramway at the Penny Darren Ironworks at Merthyr Tydfil. 21 years later, the Stockton and Darlington Railway became the first public railway to use steam locomotion. Turning the page revealed more surprises, which we shall explore in the next edition of Mystery Album.